Hey, what up, Long Beach? We've got another episode full of local news headed your way as part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post. And as always, we are the562.org, where we've actually got game coverage this week. For real. No joke. As always, I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Rodobasio. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson. But before we get going, I wanted to give a quick shout out and a thank you. We're coming off the heels of Giving Tuesday last week. So we just want to thank everyone that contributed and made it a successful Giving Tuesday. This is your almost weekly reminder that we are a nonprofit and rely on community support. So thank you to everyone who, who pitched in and, and are doing their part to help keep the 562 around to talk about all the pressing news stories in Long Beach and guys covering games. It had been a while since we got the chance to do it in person. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, big shouts to uh, the Watton family, the Letterer family, Debbie Hughes getting on there, giving us donations. Like Tyler said, they are tax deductible. And uh, this is the time of year that some people need to do that to make sure the tax man doesn't come and knock it. Well, and I want to I thank Didi Rossi as well, who's recently joined our board uh, at the 562 on our nonprofit board. Uh, and Mr. Dan Gooch. And Dan Gooch. But Didi did uh, something really cool, which, which uh, we'd love to see more people doing. You can on Facebook, the same way you see people do fundraisers for their birthday, you can at any time do select new fundraiser. And because we're a nonprofit registered with Facebook, you could do a fundraiser at any time. We could do a fundraiser at any time uh, to benefit the 562. And Didi raised uh, $500 for us on Giving Tuesday um, as well, which was, uh, which was awesome. And I think it was mostly raised through other people's donations, but it was just cool that she threw that up on Facebook and had uh, the success doing that. So th- thank you to her as well as well as to everyone that JJ just mentioned and everyone that Tyler mentioned. Uh, Really been a difficult year for us and so many other businesses, but um, seeing the support, as much as the support helps, seeing that support is also sort of emotionally lifting for me. So we've been timestamping these episodes. It is about 10.30 a.m. on a Wednesday, and that's important because everything is changing so fast in the COVID-19 world. Right now with 562.org, we have got stories about what's going on with the CIF. Long Beach Unified School District, and the Moore League, what the commissioners and athletic directors are saying about trying to bring sports back now in January. But before we talk about that stuff, honestly, you're right. It's crazy that we're actually talking about a game that we covered. It was Long Beach State men's basketball. It was at Walter Pyramid on Sunday. The beach getting a win over Seattle. And you guys looked like it was a very eerie situation inside the mid. That was the word that Dan Munson used to describe it. You know, apropos of nothing, I, I basically, in a press conference that we're not allowed to attend, uh, <laughs> so we emailed questions to the sports information director, Roger Kirk, who then asked the questions and then sends us a live stream so we can see what the answers are. Um, I basically just asked Dan, like, hey, you know, how weird is it? You know, he's obviously coached more games in the pyramid than any other men's basketball coach. So it's like, just how different and strange was this? And he used the word eerie twice to describe it. Um, yeah, I've never, I, I thought it would be kind of like the women's basketball game that I covered with no fans in March in the pyramid um, where, for the big West tournament, the day before everything got shut down where it was basically a regular game, but there were no fans. Right. And if you've been to some college basketball games at tournaments or whatever, as Dan Munson pointed out, it's not that rare to play in a stadium with not a lot of fans there, right? You could play in all kinds of holiday tournaments where you're the 11 a.m. game and there's 10 people in the, in the uh, stands or whatever. But it was not like that. It was much more different than I expected it to be. They had two sides of the pyramid stands raised in order to allow for more social distancing. Um, we've never seen that, obviously, at, d- during a real NCAA contest. Um, and the team was doing the spread out 
uh, NBA style social distancing with the bench. So the bench was, I think, four or five rows deep. Um, there was artificial crowd noise being piped in, which was not necessarily the most successful endeavor, uh, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, just everything about it was weird. I mean, we elbow bumped with uh, a guy we know we've known over there for a while who then got yelled at by, <laughs> you know, the person who is in charge of the medical protocol, like you're not allowed to have contact over the ropes. Um, and, you know, every aspect of it was just so different, um, except for the game on the court, which was terrific. The players really did deliver. You know, I, I was worried, you know, does, do players seem disconnected when there's no no fans, you know, and it's like a it's really a scrimmage. You know, it feels like the, one of those closed door scrimmages that they have right before the season where, you know, the players need to get their work yes. in, but they don't want anyone to see. They can't film, um, which ironically, sort of, we were the only ones really filming, uh, <laughs> it seemed. But um, so it, it really had that kind of feel. But you had to almost remind yourself that there were consequences to the game because right. it just felt so much like a summer league well, you know, whatever scrimmage their, their first game, a loss at LMU, they gave up 85 points. And I think, you know, Munson kind of acknowledged it absolutely had that feeling of like, Oh, this is a scrimmage. It doesn't really mean a lot. And as you said, the players are kind of disconnected. Um, And I thought they, they did a great job of sort of warding that demon away uh, on Sunday, you know, and I don't know if it was just because, you know, Munson said the team was embarrassed by losing to LMU. We can't, walk over to the bench. We can't talk to players after the game. So I can't really say whether or not I agree with that statement, but what we, we did see was that they played a lot harder um, at home against Seattle U. And I think Isaiah Washington in particular, um, you know, I've told a couple of people already, he might be my favorite basketball player there um, going back other than people that we're friends with, you know, going back to like a Mike Caffey. I mean, I, I just, he had such a competitiveness um, and an edge and a toughness to the way he played and Dan Munson made the comment that they've been missing a true point guard for the last few years. But I, to me, it's so much more than just being a true point guard. It's the individual challenge of, oh, that the guy I'm guarding scored, I got to go score. And clearly just being willing to completely put the team on his back. The game gets tied up late. He's, I want the ball right now. I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly what shot I'm taking. And I know it's going in. You know, it, it was that kind of inspiring sports moment that we've been hoping to see for the last nine months. And that is the reason why Isaiah Big Apple Washington is going to be our guest on the pod this week. He is from New York. He was Mr. Basketball in New York, which is a pretty big deal. But he was also one of the co-founders of Jelly Fam. More importantly, it's, he's Jelly Fam, which, which I'm so excited about. Which is a – it's it's hard to explain to anybody who isn't online all the time because it was definitely something that was um, propelled by social media. But it's like a basketball fraternity. These kids aren't on the same team but they're all from the same area. They all grew up playing together. So they basically created their own crew, like breakdancers in the 1980s in the New York streets. But instead, it's in the aughts. It's at Rucker Park. It's in all the different places where you play basketball in New York. And Jelly Fan became so popular, they got actually a video done on Bleacher Report in 2017 that right now has almost like 2 million views. So the guy was pretty famous before he got here. And from the performance on Sunday, which was a team high, 21 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, and no turnovers. Very key there, the no turnovers, if you've been watching this Long Beach State men's basketball team the last few years. Uh, he's going to be a big deal here, too. So it was really cool to get him on the pod and talk about that. And, and talk about Jelly Fam, because it it's one of a kind, dude. I've seen a lot of people try to do that again. You talk about the unicorn crew and stuff like that or whatever, but Jelly Fam was the first to really pull it off. 
I want to say one other thing too, because he made a point when we were doing the interview about how the kind of social media fame they got sort of prevented them from being regular kids. Um, and that is something obviously we've seen. Every kid wants to blow up on social media and then you get a platform and realize that your, your platform is also a microscope. He is the exact reason why, and I actually used this example in a column before we even knew that this kid would end up in, in Long Beach. He's the exact reason why the NCAA had a moral imperative to change the name and likeness rule, because those kids made YouTube videos. They, they did content on Instagram that got millions and millions of views they and they weren't allowed. It. What's that? They trademarked it, but they trademarked it and weren't allowed to profit from it because yeah. of the NCAA rules. So he, he's got a YouTube channel that literally if all they had done was click the monetize button, as we've done on the 562 YouTube channel and as most successful YouTube channels have done. Those kids would be sitting on a pretty good amount of money for the work that they did. Um, but the NCAA rules had previously banned that. And that's an exact reason why that name and likeness rule had to be changed the way that it has. So that leave aside being paid to play or endorsement deals or whatever else. If you start a YouTube channel like any other kid in college can or any other high school kid can, you should be allowed to make money off of it like every other citizen in the country. So I thought that was I, I, we didn't need to get into the whole NCAA rigmarole with him, but I wanted to make that point. Like he's making the exact argument when he's talking about the difficulty of having that platform um, that I think we and a lot of other journalists have made. Yeah, a lot of um, <clears throat> capitalism fans uh, really turn on themselves when it comes to name and image uh, likeness uh, rules for college athletes, I've found. So um, yeah, make, make sure to loosen up those purse strings, baby. If they're, if they're creative, they have a skill, and people like it, the free market has determined that has value and they should be paid for it. But that's, that's enough on that topic. But we are excited to have a, a playmaker uh, leading things for the beach. And, um, and yeah, it really turned into a, a couple of undersized point guards really going head to head in that matchup. And it was a lot of fun to watch them go back and forth. And then ultimately, Washington had that final blow in that, uh, in that win. And now we're going to have to wait a little while to see men's basketball back uh, in the pyramid, not till next year as scheduled. But as we've seen, schedules are just uh, really loosely guided plans at this point. Long Beach State hits the road this week. They're at San Francisco on Thursday. You can check out the coverage at the 562.org. Obviously, I wanted to touch on a couple other things that happened during the game and really during just the first week. Like they were first, first supposed to open up at UCLA, ended up playing at LMU and then the game at Seattle. So they got three games in in the first week, which was interesting. Wanted to shout out Michael Carter III. This is a guy who got suspended for an attitude detrimental to the team last year, and he seemed uh, renewed this year as well. Did, did you guys feel that on Sunday, that maybe having Washington take a little bit more of the ball control has freed him up a little bit to be more himself and be a little bit more comfortable? I think that the entire team uh, – yeah, yes. The answer to your question is yes, absolutely. But I also think that um, Munson said they really emphasized that they felt like LMU beat them at the quote juice game, um, you know, on Friday. And I think you saw something you haven't necessarily always seen in that program, which was the whole team really concertedly pulling for each other. Um, you know, even if some of it show, obviously, but the whole bench, every time someone made a good play, Joe Hampton at his dunk, the whole bench is going crazy. You know, it felt like they were all rooting for each other, um, which, uh, yes, definitely. I think you saw a, a really positive change in MC3 um, on Sunday. You mentioned him. Shout out to Joe Hampton. The junior transfer has been a pleasant surprise. He was actually one of the first guys Dan Munson mentioned when I said, who's surprising you in practice so far? And it was Hampton. He's the fourth leading scorer 
after just the two games after he chipped in 16 points on Sunday. He originally signed with Penn State but never played for Penn State, so he bounced around to two different JCs before coming back to the beach as a walk-on. And We're definitely going to be writing a story about him this season because Dan Munson put him on scholarship after the win on Sunday, and then they released that video on Twitter on Dan Munson's account. So that was pretty cool. Munson saying, you know, obviously that's, that's why you play the game, right? That, that's why you coach is to get kids like that in another opportunity. And Hampton's definitely taking advantage of it. It makes you think, right? Because I'm sure that that was already planned and approved and it was going to happen anyway. But Hampton played a hell of a game. So it's nice to follow it up with, hey, he just played a terrific game and helped us win. Uh, here's your scholarship. I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying he wouldn't have done it if he had a you know, 0 for 4, 2 rebounds, 3 turnovers. But uh, it's just nice when those events can kind of coincide. You know, that, he's happy why, about the way he played, and then you build on it with that immediate reward. Everything, sometimes everything just works out. That's why he was getting it. That's why he was getting it, because they knew he was going to have that kind of game. <laughs> you also knew that Chance Hunter was going to bounce back. I didn't know he was going to bounce back like that. Hunter had an awful season opener at LMU, and he would probably tell you this exact same thing. Got into foul trouble, just couldn't find a rhythm, had to ride the bench in the second half as the Lions pulled away. But on Sunday, Chance Hunter, oh my, double-double with 14 points, 13 rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. He was everywhere, including all over the highlights with that dunk right on top of that dude's head. An incredible play. A great night from Chance Hunter. Nice to see him bounce back. He's the only Long Beach State player who got put on that Big West, uh, all Big West team for the preseason. The Long Beach State women's team just added a home game in the pyramid, which is good because they had previously not had any scheduled prior to the start of conference play. So they will be hosting a game Saturday at 2 p.m., which we will also have full coverage of, including we're hoping a a photo gallery that does not come out of my iPhone. (laughs) I think we'll be fully staffed with a photographer there as well. And obviously we'll also, as JJ said, have coverage of those road games, including whatever is going on with our guest, Isaiah Washington. Of course, as we do every episode, we have to thank our loyal longtime sponsor, Naples Rib Company. Unfortunately, the restaurant world is in a bit of a whirlwind, as you may have seen on the news. Um, Naples Rib had a great outdoor dining setup that's obviously uh, not in use right now, but you can still get takeout, get some big orders for the holidays. Uh, you'll, you won't have to cook for days if you get a big old hog pack down there at Naples Rib Co. So head on down to 2nd Street. You can visit their website or give them a call to get those takeout orders in. But be sure to support Naples Rib Co. during this time. They support the 562. So please get down to Naples and support them and let them know that the 562.org sent you down there. We now bring on our special guest for the week, new guy for Long Beach State men's basketball, fresh off of practice. It's Isaiah Washington. Isaiah, Jelly fam. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. It was an absolute pleasure watching you play basketball on Sunday. I mean, it was an absolute pleasure watching basketball being played in Long Beach on Sunday. But for you, what did it feel like being in the Walter Pyramid and having a great game like you did? Uh, It felt good being here. You know, I'm with a great group of guys, great coaching staff. You know, they push me every day to get better. And uh, I'm just learning along the way. and, And I'm having a good time. I loved your answer to the question. Um, yeah, I threw that question out about what it was like playing in the empty facility. You obviously don't – you haven't played in the pyramid when it was full or whatever, so you don't have anything to compare it to. But what was that experience like? It's going to be such a weird year for NCAA basketball this year, but what, what was that like having a 5,000-seat arena, uh, arena with, like, 10 people in it or whatever? 
Oh, it really wasn't. Uh, it didn't feel weird at all. You know, I mean, I'm just, I just love playing basketball. So whenever I get a chance, I just go out and play whenever. And I got, I got a group of guys that's uh, working hard that that love me, and you know, that want to see me do well, and I want, and I want the same for them. So when we go on the floor, we just focus on us and winning the game. Um, I mean, that's obviously the only mindset that's going to survive this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like you, like I, I think, uh, I think Munson said, like. You know, they, he said he told you guys you got beat in the juice department by LMU. I've heard other coaches talk about that. It's bring your own juice this year. So, how, like, how important is that to when you're on the bench, be cheering for the other guys? How important is that when you're on the court to hear the teammates back there cheering for you? Like, was real important. Oh, my, my bad. I mean, I don't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Yeah, just I, I'm just curious about that because obviously you usually get a certain energy. You had a couple big plays on Sunday that there normally would have been a big roar after or whatever. So how important is that energy going back and forth between teammates? Uh, the, our energy is real important. You know, uh, we feel off each other. And uh, I try to have the guys, you know, stay around each other as much as possible. You know, uh, we don't got that much long in the gym. You know, we only got like three hours. So after, you know, we all just hang around, you know, chill, talk about the games and stuff like that. So really, the, <clears throat> the more we feel off each other, the more I think it'll help us win games. Obviously, transferring is tough anytime you do it. This is your second one coming from Iona to Long Beach State, but you did it in May, so you didn't even get to come to the school. You didn't get to have an official visit. First time you stepped inside the pyramid was when you were already on the team. So why did you come to Long Beach State so far away from your home in New York? And what was it like not being able to be here and experience this place before you got here? Uh, really, I don't really think about it too much. You know, it's not that bad. Uh... I really try to stay out of my head. You know, I'm, I'm doing like uh, some counseling and stuff like that. Uh, just stay level-headed. But, you know, it's been a tough journey. But, you know, uh, I don't really pay no mind to try to move forward. And uh, I love it here. So I'm glad everybody accepted me with open arms. Um, I, I'm sure the weather has definitely been an improvement over uh, over New York uh, as you're getting into December and January. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think of the weather or the life out here or, or whatever else? Obviously, you don't get to experience the full life at the moment with everything shut down. But what, what's it been like being in Southern California and Long Beach? Oh, the best part is the weather. You know, I don't got to wear a big coat. I don't got to worry about the snow. <laughs> so, uh, you don't need the fur line hood, uh, jacket and the, and the Tim's out here for sure. Yeah. <laughs> None of that. No scullies, no, no beanies, <laughs> nothing like that. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a different lifestyle, obviously a different style of basketball as well. well. From your point of view, you growing up playing it, what makes New York basketball so different than anywhere else? Really? Uh, it's a lot tougher. You know, uh, just growing up, you know, just being in the park from sun up to sundown. And uh, I understand there's COVID going on here, but like, well, everywhere. But I still see people in the parks in New York. Like out here, I don't really see nobody in the parks. Yeah, it's it's definitely, and I, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm from Long Beach, so I'm not going to say we're soft out here or whatever, but like, it's definitely moved into more of the AAU culture on the West Coast, I feel like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's very like, we're in the hotel, we're in the gym, as opposed to when I was growing up in Long Beach. And it was, you'd go down to a court, you know, over by Poly or something, and you'd see, you know, I'm sure a little bit more like it is in New York. You see Division One basketball players just trying to dunk on a high school kid for fun. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. Um, so I, I have to say, I'm so, uh, like, we cover sports, so I'm, we're not usually fans, especially of, like, high school kids. But I love all the Jelly Fam content. I thought was like, was brilliant uh, stuff. And it was like, I loved it because we cover high school kids in Compton and Long Beach. And it, it had that same feel of just like kids who love basketball, who are having fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. What, 
you know, you obviously were sort of like I saw you, you got half a million followers on IG or whatever. That obviously kind of propelled you to a certain level of fame and expectation. What, what was that like with that coming at the young age? I saw you told Bleacher Report it helped get girls and everything. But, you know, what was it like sort of being known in the basketball world while you were still kind of starting out as a kid? Oh, uh, really? Like now it's, it's, uh, it's kind of overwhelming. You know, because everybody that's, like, looking up to us, so uh, we got, like, a, a light on us. It's, like, we can't really be just normal. Like, you know, like, like so, but, like, we still, like, we really just do it. Like, we really just do the jelly stuff just, like, to give kids a chance, you know, just, like, use their imagination to do, be whatever you want to be. It don't even got to be sports. Like, it could be fashion, anything like that. You could be a doctor, lawyer. Like, just put your mind to something, and you know that you give it, that you give it your all. You can't be jelly. mad at it. Yeah, get yeah. the jelly. <laughs> yeah, get the jelly. Yeah. I, I loved your explanation as to why you wanted to uh, do the jelly and the uh, MJ clip that you saw him in the dunk contest and him spreading his legs, but you couldn't dunk, so you had to do your own thing. Yeah. I really like that. that whole idea of the jelly fam is kind of like do your own thing, but you guys mm. weren't even on the same team. You know what I mean? You were competing mm. against each other. What was it like going up against another jelly fam member in a game? Oh, that make it real competitive. It get it get real competitive because like we want to see each other win, so we go at each other like we don't even know each other. Like you don't think we'll hate each other, but then like after the game, you see us all buddy buddy hugged up and stuff like that. So it's cool. It's real. It's real cool. That's a little bit more than New York mindset, I guess, and out here where it's like you could definitely tell who the friends are, who the AAU teammates are when they play in high school or whatever. You yeah. Know what I mean? <laughs> well, you guys did such a great job. I mean, you trademarked it. You did everything. Are you taking marketing classes? Is that something you want to actually like get into professionally in the future? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about it. But uh, another teammate, I mean, not a teammate, another uh, Jelly fan member of mine, he's, uh, he's, in, he's in, uh, into marketing and stuff like that. So we're going to let all that go through him. Oh, okay. Who's that? Uh, Pedro Marquez. Oh, okay. So the Jelly Fam's growing still. Yeah, 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 definitely. We still okay. got a lot of young. We got a lot of young kids, high school kids. So, you know, we still doing well. So, t- so tell me about the game on Sunday. Um, I, 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 I told, I texted Munson after the game. I said like you were the guy they've been missing the last couple years. Where um, when Tramel hit those free throws after flopping, um, and he hit all three of those free throws to tie the game up. You came right back down, and it, I mean, it was very like you said, the park in New York. Like, I, I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly what shot I'm taking. You took the ball over the screen and, and hit that three to take the lead back. Um, what was that moment like for you? Was that like your your first moment of the game or, or the season? Like, okay, we're here, and I, I know I can play my style of basketball on this team. Oh yeah, definitely. Like once once he, because like uh, when when they gave him the foul, I was just like. Yeah, I let my teammate down. Then I'm like, all right, come on, we're going we gonna to get it back right here. I looked at Coach, he's like, yo, come on, come on, come on. And I'm like, all right, come on, I got you. And then after that, I knew I, knew I was going to make that shot. I worked on it too much. You played for a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches, a lot of people know, too. What kind of coach is Dan Munson? What has your experience been like with him this limited time you played for him? Uh, my experience with him is, is real good. You know, like him and Tim Clues, like those are like, uh, like my, two, my two favorite coaches. You know, uh, they 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 looked at me. They came they came at me with open arms. You know, they didn't, they understood my situation, everything I was in, and uh, and I love them like just for giving me a chance. And without them, I don't think I'll be the person I am today. Yeah, man, your situation has been up and down. I mean, going to Minnesota, then coming back to Iona, dealing with some family stuff. How much different of a person are you 
from like three, four years ago than you are right now. Not only on the basketball court, but off the court too. Oh yeah, I look at life totally different now. Cause you know everything, uh, something can be taken away from you no matter what. Just like, uh, like with the whole COVID thing, we couldn't play basketball for so long. You we didn't know if he was ever gonna be able to play again, and that made me like look at look at like life different. Like I really might have to start going in another direction. But like luckily, basketball came back. You know I really don't want to do nothing else but basketball. Oh, no, I was just gonna say we're on the sideline, not on the court. But I mean, I feel the exact same way. I'm like, I don't want to go get a real job, bro. Like, I want to cover basketball and have fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most definitely. So, with that uncertainty in the future, how were you staying in shape during quarantine? Were you, were you able to get in the gym? What were you doing? Oh yeah, definitely. I, uh, you don't really take so much. Like, you don't really need a gym to stay in shape. Like, you could go outside, you could run, you could do push-ups, sit-ups, stuff like that. Like. Whoever, whoever, like, say they need a gym to do better, like, it's just an excuse. It's people, I, well, me growing up, I didn't have a gym. Like, you know, I was always in the park, so I had to get it how I live. What's the what's the worst weather you ever played basketball in in New York, bro? Like, oh. it, like, like, were you out there with six inches of snow on the ground? Like, how, like, how, like, how Not, grimy, how grimy would you get in the park? <laughs> All right, I ain't gonna lie. If it was, if the snow was too high, all right, I'm not playing it. But, <laughs> but like, if it's like too cold, you know, I just put my coat on. Like, if right. it's if it's not too much snow on the ground, I still go out and shoot. Me and my cousins, like, we always just wanted to be outside. Like, we, I don't know what it was when we was kids, but we always thought we was gonna miss something. When you were a kid, was there somebody you looked up to specifically who might have been playing at those parks or playing at Rucker and stuff like that? Was there somebody who you idolized? Oh, yeah. Uh, when I was young, young, it was my uncle. He was the uh, first person to put the ball in my hand. And then uh, as I started growing up, uh, it was Isaiah Briscoe and Isaiah Whitehead. Ah, oh, so uh, name game, huh? You just like all the Isaiahs? <laughs> nah, it's just weird. Like, but we all, we all Isaiah. But now they, like, they, they style of play was like, it fit mine. So, and, and like, you know, I had, a, I had a close connection with them off the court. So that played a big part, too. Um, so the season started where, I mean, you mentioned like, we're all just sort of waiting for like, okay, when can we get going? When is basketball going to come back? You know, other than for the NBA guys and the billion dollar bubble and everything. Um, mm -hmm. but you guys had the weirdest start to the year with the UCLA thing where, you know, coach told us you guys are sitting on the bus in uniform when he comes on and has to tell you guys, Hey, we're not going to be able to play. What was that like? to, as you know, as JJ said, with everything you've been through, you're thinking, okay, and now I'm about to get back on the court and get it going again. And then to have him come on and say, okay, we're not going to be able to play today. Like, how, how bizarre was that circumstance? Uh, when he first told us, like, <clears throat> I was heartbroken. I ain't going to lie. I was real heartbroken. But I'm like, I, I believe in God, so I'm not going to question him today. I'm not going to question him. All right, something, something good going to happen. And next thing you know, we ended up playing the next game. And even though the outcome ain't come out too good, but I still got a chance to play basketball. So, but I feel you, were, you were ready to run up the 405 and like beat your chest in front of Mick Cronin's office. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I respect and I, like the, and I like the fact that my whole team was mad. You know what I mean? Everybody really cared. Everybody dialed in. And, you know, without these guys, I, I don't know what I'd do. I really don't know. Speaking of your teammates, you know, obviously a lot of the summer was spent by yourself, but then there was that time. August, September, where you guys were the only ones who could see each other. Did that mm. help you get to know them? How has that process been basically like creating a team bond while not actually playing together? Oh, that was real good. Uh, you know, because we get to see each other every day. You know, we talk, you know, we all grew up from the same situation, most of us. You know, we grew up in poverty. 
you know, a lot of single parents, things like that. So we can relate to each other a lot. Have you picked up any uh, new hobbies during the quarantine? Anything else you got going on? Or has it just been basketball, sleep, repeat? Yeah, like I, it was just school, basketball, video game. Like it, it's really nothing else. What are you playing? What video game are you playing? I'll be on uh, 2K and I'll play Fortnite a little bit. Who's your okay. team on 2K? 2K, it depends. Like, uh, so boom, all right. If we playing and it's a, and I know you're good, I'm going <laughs> to pick, I'm going to pick Dame. Okay. Like, right. like if we just playing for fun and stuff like that, you know, I just play with anybody. Okay. All right. So, so Dame is your, is your, in that meme where the guy sits up, Dame is your sit up. Now I'm really playing guy. Okay. <laughs> is that the, is that the NBA player who you, who you sort of model your game after the most? I mean, I definitely see similarities in terms of the toughness and competitiveness. Oh yeah. I, I definitely like a lot of guys in the NBA. Uh, Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum, um, Kyrie, Russ, John Wall, a lot of those guys. Uh, Kimber Walker, especially just country from New York, and you know we yep, both yep. kind of little guards. So, just uh, I can pick up a lot from all those guys. Is that still your goal? I know in 2017 when you were talking big, uh, going about to Minnesota, you wanted to go to the NBA. That was your number one goal. Is that still your goal? Yeah, definitely. I'm going. I'll never change. Awesome. We love to hear it, man, and we love to see your competitiveness. Don't don't ever turn that down. No, nah, never. Was for basketball, man, to see you <laughs> competitive, it was awesome. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed watching it. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time, man. Best of luck this year. Thank you. Have a good one. You could have gone out and played Recreation Park 18 golf course in like three hours last Thursday. And if you've ever played Rec 18, you know that's like nearly impossible but the golf courses all over Long Beach were actually a little bit empty last Thursday because there was a – how do we phrase this, guys? There was a miscommunication over communication about having miscommunication. The Long Beach <laughs> Health Department usually doesn't break from Long Beach County. <laughs> this isn't the first time, but it's a pretty big deal that American Golf, which runs all five public golf courses here in Long Beach, had to take off the board eight days of tee times – because the Los Angeles County Health Department approved some more strict protocols for the COVID-19 stuff that's changed golf and pretty much everything with outdoor activities over the last few weeks because they're shifting it back and forth and back and forth. So when the county announced you were not allowed to play golf with anybody who's not in your household, Long Beach responded by clearing the tee sheet. Then Long Beach Health Department talked to American Golf and said, no, 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 you're good, you're good. You can continue on doing what you've been doing, which is only people from the same household can ride in carts together. Other than that, stay socially distant, wear your mask, don't touch anything, and golf is relatively safe. So after all of that, I talked to a couple of people, and yeah, it was a pretty big deal for everybody because <laughs> the first time you hear, oh, wait, they're, they're, they're separating from the, the county health department, it sounds like a big deal. But it was like only 12 hours that, that changed it. It was 12 hours. And then on Thursday, the courses were kind of empty. American Golf said they lost maybe a couple thousand dollars. But now everything is back to normal. And I think people are happy to see that the Long Beach Health Department is willing to step outside the county a little bit when it makes sense for this city. I think that it's, it's really, it's important beyond just if you're a, a golfing enthusiast, um, either as a player or a fan, it's important because golf is not the only situation in Long Beach where you could see this kind of thing happening. 
Um, you know, as a, for example, and I'll have a story on this in the next couple of weeks, um, youth baseball leagues are opening up registration right now. And I know from a couple of the uh, guys running the larger leagues that they're, they feel right now, knock on wood, even in the midst of this surge, very confident about getting a permit to do a full little league, Cal Ripken league youth baseball season for the little kids this year. Um, that would also be standing aside from the LA County order. So it's those kinds of things that would end up affecting thousands and thousands of people um, that I think a lot of people here, myself included as a parent and as a sports writer have been hoping to see a little bit more separation from the city of Long Beach's health department on issues where we can say, Hey, the way our city's made up, the way this park is designed is a little different from LA County as a whole and deserves some special consideration. Well, and it's just a little easier to get your, to get your hands around it. And it's a little easier to monitor just because, you know, the city of Long Beach is not nearly as big as LA County is, um, you know, and like the numbers are just not going to be lockstep. Long Beach's numbers have fairly consistently been, um, you know, better and lower than, than LA County's numbers. So um, it, it is, it is reassuring to see that, you know, in, in certain situations, we do have that flexibility to, um, to change things and go against the, you know, the, the rules of the, the larger entity of LA County. So um, it is promising and it's obviously good for people to still have an activity and, and keep that sense of normalcy, because I know, you know, it's the wintertime hours. It's tough, especially for people that work in a nine to five, they like never get to go outside and be in the sun. You know, it's, it's because of how dark it's getting and right. you know, with, with, with the spiking of cases and not being able to be around people at a time when you're usually around many, many people, family members, friends, you know, this is a time to gather and, and be in community and we can't do that right now. So it's very, um, it's, it's challenging in a lot of different ways and ways that we've discussed on the podcast um, in previous weeks. So just, <laughs> we got to celebrate those small victories, man. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what it's going to be for the next few months. It seems like. If I can pull the curtain back just a little bit and show you that uh, <laughs> sports and the world are kind of on two different timelines right now. Some of the health and human services people I talked to weren't aware that this had happened. That's how busy they are. That's how many things they're dealing with over there. They just didn't really know. And the LA County website hadn't even updated to reflect the new protocols the last time I checked when I had written the story. So they're making so many changes so quickly that they're not even able to update their website in time before that information is disseminated to the people who actually have to put those protocols in place, AKA American golf or a golf course anywhere in LA County. That's not Long Beach and Pasadena where they have their own health department. So a lot of moving pieces, you guys, so much so that sometimes people don't know the pieces are moving. Hey, are they hiring? There's, there's probably a few people that could use jobs right now. You know, I mean, not, not to be a jerk. I don't know that everybody's qualified, but I mean, I feel for them. I understand why they're busy, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah could, I, I could do, kill two birds, you know? Yeah, local government overflowing their wallet with, uh, with opportunity <laughs> to offer new jobs, I'm sure. Right, it's like, but it, it does, it is like the exact problem. And we've seen this with like the sort of public information officers at different levels when it's like, there's these huge, there's like a meteor headed towards earth problem with the coronavirus, right? And so like, obviously everyone's focused on the big problem, but in the life of, as you guys mentioned, you might have a senior citizen who his weekly golf trip with one of his friends, that's his only time outside of the house. Daily, you mean? Daily? You know, Those guys well, get out no, day, no, man. but you know, say someone's got a standing tea time for a Thursday at whatever, t you know, and that's the only time they're not isolated. 
you know, we know people like that guys in the century club where, you know, maybe they've lost a spouse and it, they're really, they've got one contact point outside of their house um, that isn't with their family or, or their kids or whatever. So I understand the, why some of this stuff isn't the first thing that they update, but I think everyone needs to understand that even if little league baseball or the ability to golf with one other person who's not in your family sounds somewhat trivial in the face of the numbers that we're seeing for some people, those things are their whole life or an important part of their emotional health and well-being. And as we've reached into the ninth month of this pandemic, people's mental health and well-being is obviously, to me, just as important as keeping the coronavirus numbers down because we've all got to survive this <laughs> emotionally and physically, right? So I, I'm, I'm so glad, JJ, that you got that story up because I don't think people would have, frankly, known about it otherwise. Mike, you, you bring up a good point, and it's something I wanted to call attention to. It, it came up in your uh, in your column about the the two different pandemics, but I think it's important just to kind of remind people. You know, you might see something and think like, "Oh, the poor golfers or whatever," you know, <laughs> and you wouldn't feel bad for for their situation. And, and and certainly, there's there's bigger problems with you know people being in in the hospital and dying or people. The ICU capacity is a bigger problem. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But, <laughs> But I think that that's where each of us, you know, we, it's easy to get caught up in our own struggles and, you know, be tunnel vision because, hey, there's some real problems that we have to focus on. But I think when you see other things like this, just important to take a step back and realize, okay, how are other people affected by this? And listen and think, oh, okay, I di it didn't even occur to me that people could be in that scenario, you know, and, and with distance learning, people think, oh, well, just have them go on their laptop online. And it doesn't even occur to people that people might not have internet, you know? And so I think um, what we've learned is that it's the same problem facing everyone, but it's manifesting itself in different ways. So it's it's the same root cause, the pandemic and the shutdowns, but how are each of us individually having our lives derailed? Um, and, you know, some things you can say are more extreme than others, but at the end of the day, we're, we're all just trying to make it from one day to the next. So, um, you know, just just find a way to kind of step back and look at things from other perspectives. And when you don't necessarily understand why something's a problem, either read and seek those answers, or maybe just don't go on Facebook and spout a <laughs> mean, aggressive comment about why should I give a bleep about um, whether people can golf or not when X, Y, Z in, in your personal life, you know, let's try to, let's not be at war with one another, you know, and let's, yeah. let's try to all work towards a, a better society for everyone as much, as much as we can. But we know it's hard to do. We get Yeah, that. I think it's important to mention that some of these changes were for all outdoor activities. So like fitness classes, playing tennis, things of that nature were also changed. Thing about fitness class and tennis is you don't have to go online and book your tea time. And I think that's why people kind of freaked out was because it looked like they weren't ever going to be able to play golf again. Holy cow. So make sure you stay tuned to the 562.org because that's where you're going to find stories like this. Uh, and we do actually, as we're getting ready to wrap the show up, have a piece of breaking news that is uh, on the sadder side to report. But uh, we do have word from Long Beach City College confirmation. This will be announced later today, and we'll have a story up um, with quotes from, uh, from some of the coaches and administrators there. Um, the conference that LBCC is in is shutting down the first half of the two-part spring season that they had planned for getting sports going. That means there will not be a football season. There will not be a men's and women's basketball season, and there will not be a men's and women's soccer season at LBCC or any of these other junior colleges uh, in 2021. 
Um, that's LBCC, that's Cerritos, that's El Camino, um, as well as some of the other local city colleges. And, um, you know, I, I'll tell you what, when I talked to the athletic director, Bill Husack, and I talked to the football coach, Brett Peabody, who we've had on several times, they talked about exactly what we're talking about, man. They, they're worried about those kids. Um, they're, they're worried about kids that are feeling hopeless. They're worried about kids that, um, as we've seen uh, from data overwhelmingly over the last 15 years at LBCC, the student athletes there um, far and away are the model population in that campus. Those are the kids who come from the hardest backgrounds and end up doing better educationally than their, their peers. And there's going to be a, you know, there has already been a dropout sort of mass event from kids who, as Brett Peabody said, are kind of being forced to give up on their dreams who are going, I can't, I can't wait another year who are now leaving education and getting jobs, um, you know, to support their families um, and who are kind of moving on. And there's a lot to be worried about there. There'll be a lot of reporting for us to do in the next couple of months about it. Um, but we did want to break that news that unfortunately that cancellation did happen. Uh, they're still uh, hopeful and optimistic about the second half of the spring season with, um, you know, baseball and track and field and a number of other sports. But uh, to be completely honest, this ties into everything we've talked about on this show. This is about willpower because the junior college athletes have still not been allowed to do athletic conditioning that the high schools have been doing now for over half a year. Um, and the NCAA sports are now actually back in competition. But the fact of the matter is there aren't enough people with political clout who care about junior college kids and sports to get them the same uh, protections and the same access to their mentors um, and coaches and their teammates that, that people below them and above them have. So it's a really sad situation. Um, and hopefully something changes to allow them into a better spot soon. <clears throat> that's absolutely true. And that, that's well said, Mike. Uh, I think another point that I wanted to kind of raise, I've seen people mentioning on, on social media kind of, you know, why can this team play and not this team or why this sport, and not another sport. Um, and especially at the college level and, and the, the biggest difference is testing. Um, and, the money that's involved in that is a big barrier to a lot of these issues. And, you know, the JUCOs, they were, they were lumped in with division one universities. So they were going to have to have, you know, the testing capacity that a D one school had, and that is millions of dollars. You know, Long Beach state doesn't have football, which is obviously the most expensive because of the amount of players, staff, uh, and you need the longer build up time to have the season. So there's a lot more testing involved. Um, you know, and it's, it's going to cost over a million dollars just this year for Long Beach to test people. And so right. where is, where are all these junior colleges going to come up with that kind of money over a million dollars just to keep testing, you know, Long Beach state, when they played last Saturday for their home game, they were in week 11 of constant testing because they'd been in a bubble, you know, more or less a bubble, um, you know, staying in their dorms, just going to practice, not interacting with, with anybody and getting, tested constantly and then and they even had a game <laughs> uh not get played so um so that's really the big difference it's it takes the money to have the testing or it requires saying we're going to do this without the testing but there comes the liability piece and a willingness to kind of you know accept some of that and make some you know wa make waivers and, and all that kind of stuff and that becomes just a little bit more complicated but the short answer is the money for the testing that allows things to be safer at these sort of higher levels like D one and professional sports that you just hit it exactly on the head though. You know, the, the States, you know, the 30 plus 40 plus States or whatever it is that have finished their high school football seasons 
were in that liability space where they said, you're going to sign a waiver and we're going to give you the option. And just like we've seen, you know, we've had a couple uh, college athletes opt out in Long Beach. If you're not comfortable doing it, absolutely. A hundred percent. The problem is that when you are requiring that level of testing of an underfunded junior college program, you, what you end up, which sounds like a liability wise and science wise sounds great. The situation that it creates, which is a real situation people also have to deal with, even if it's not under the purview of the public health department, is you have a kid who was shot at on that LBCC football team, who was ready to leave town, drop out, pull up stakes, and get out of town. And his head football coach, by rule, is not allowed to talk to him in person. You know, even as restaurants for outdoor dining were open at the time, even as you could go to the park and walk with someone, whatever, he was by rule of the junior college not allowed to go check on his player who'd been shot at. Um, and that is a real situation that we're going to have to figure out. It's the same thing with education. My daughter is in preschool. There's no testing requirement. They're going to preschool. And, you know, they've enacted some rules, social distancing rules, mask rules, et cetera, with the teachers that have allowed them to do that. Then up in the college level, in order to set foot on, in order to park our cars at Long Beach State, you and I had to go through a health screening procedure and the basketball players have had to test for two months. There is a chasm in between those two worlds that is basically completely unoccupied right now. You're either young enough that there's nothing required or we're trying to implement an NBA style bubble, which costs the NBA a billion and a half dollars to implement, by the way. Um, and nothing's operating in between except for these sort of uh, the non-contact conditioning that the high schools are doing. But if, we, if this pandemic continues to go on and we don't put more things in that middle category, we're really gonna be doing long-term harm from a mental and emotional and even an economic perspective to people that I, I don't, I just flat out don't think we're doing enough uh, c- to consider those, those harms. If you guys missed the interview with Brett Peabody, head coach of football at LBCC, make sure you go back and listen to that episode. It was a really candid interview. That's pretty much all Brett Peabody does is, is candid interviews. So make sure you check out that one. Every other episode of What Up Long Beach available right now, wherever you find your podcast. So big shouts to Long Beach Post for helping us put this show out each and every week. Shout out to everybody at 562.org who helped put these stories up. And shout out to you, Long Beach. Real tough these last few months, obviously, but we're coming out of it. So stay strong, stay safe. We'll talk to you soon.